Hi, welcome to Fun Facts Live. I'm your host, David, and with me today is Allison. Hello. Caitlin. Hi. And RJ. Hello. Ooh, Fun Facts, Facts Good with Allison and Caitlin. Yeah, so Caitlin, what have you got for us today? So I I have a fun fact that is has a little bit of mystery to it um, in a like historical sense. Um, so uh, I have been reading a book. Um, it is called Made in America, An Informal History of the English Language in the United States by Ooh. Bill Bryson. Um, and- That sounds like a heavy it, book. <laughs> well, no, well, yeah. I, so if you've read anything by Bill Bryson, he writes mostly about history, but it's in a very conversational kind of lighthearted way. Oh, and okay. so I think it's, it's, it's very relatable. It's not dry. Okay. Um, but anyway, so part of, so, so the, the idea of the book is that he kind of goes through um, American history with an eye towards how was the language changing and like, how is American English diverging from British English and, and all that sort of thing. Um, and so in the chapter that was about the basically the U.S. Constitution and how that was and kind of how we know about what we know about language from that and whatnot, there was this parenthetical um, about how Massachusetts didn't ratify the Bill of Rights until 1939. And I was like, what? <laughs> what do you mean that happened? Because the rest of the Constitution was ratified in 1789, I think, or, or at least the Bill of Rights was mostly like 1789, 1790. So yeah, then I went on and I was trying to do some research into why um, why Massachusetts <laughs> waited 150 years. And it turns out that actually three states did not ratify the Bill of Rights until 1939. Wow. Massachusetts, Connecticut, and Georgia. And the and so this was basically they did it for the 150th anniversary um, when it was basically a moot point that they would. I mean, right, because it's been obviously enforced for had been <laughs> enforced for 150 years. And so it kind of didn't. It was just symbolic at that point. But I was really curious why they waited so long. And the Internet, at least, is has no information about this. And what? so the best the best I could find out was that these three states, when everyone else was, was when all the other states, and there were 14 states at the time, when these other, when the other 11 states were having their meetings and ratifying the Bill of Rights, Massachusetts didn't want to do it because they thought the constitution itself needed some changes rather than adding on these amendments. Oh. The um, Connecticut, I think just, I think Connecticut was kind of the same thing. I couldn't figure, I couldn't find information on what what Connecticut's deal was. And Georgia just thought that the, there was no point of to, to the Bill of Rights at all. They were like, we don't even need this. Why are we bothering? <laughs> so these three states just like either didn't meet or they voted it down or whatever happened. And in the meantime, the, the other 11 states ratified it. And so that reached the two thirds majority, I guess, uh... that they needed. And so, then it kind of didn't matter if everybody got it or not. Two thirds of the states have done it. But then, and then that's kind of all, that's the best I could find out. I have no idea why it took 150 years. Like, did they just forget? Were they just like, <laughs> it's like that one email that you're like, oh, I'm gonna answer that later. And then 
weeks go by and you're like, shoot, I never answered that email. Yeah, <laughs> like that's... that, or, or <laughs> were they, you know, why didn't it happen at the 50th anniversary or the right. 100th anniversary? Why did it take 150 years? And I have no idea and I can't find any information on the internet about it. And wow. so <laughs> some historian out there, do research into this. I want to know why. <laughs> yes. What do we need to tweet at for this to happen? I don't know. <laughs> Please. Yeah, that's 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 really bizarre. Yeah. Yeah. No so idea. anyway. No idea. Well, hopefully someone will <laughs> listen to this someday and <laughs> fill us in. Yeah. Yeah. It's a fun fact with no explanation. Yeah. Fun mystery. All right. It's fun mystery fact. Yeah. yeah. Fun mystery fact. <laughs> Cool. All right. Allison, what have you got for us today? So in a shocking change of pace, mine has nothing to do with Caitlin's today. <laughs> wow. <laughs> um, That's unusual. So I think David and I were among the handful of people that actually watched the Oscars on Sunday. <laughs> um, yeah. So I wanted to give a fun Oscars fact um, as my fun fact today. So I'm going to talk about the family that has been nominated for the most Oscars. Oh. So mm -hmm. the family consists of three brothers, two sons, and one nephew. Um, any guesses collectively how many Oscars they've been nominated for? Um, what are we guessing? So there's like, five. Number of Oscar nominations five across people? Um, six related six. people. Six. So there's got to be at least six. It's at least six, yeah. <laughs> and let's say... Three of them won two. I'm going to go with nine. Nine. Oh, I was going to say like 15. 15 from Caitlin. 20 maybe. 20. RJ, you have a guess? I was going to go way high. I was thinking like 50. Oh, okay. all right. What is it? You are all way too low. What? Oh my Even gosh. RJ? It's 92. <laughs> 92? <gasps> yeah. With six you know, people? Yes. That's insane. Um, Because one... The patriarch of the family, Alfred Newman, he was a um, score composer for films, alone oh, had yes. 45 nominations. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um, so he scored, like, some of the most famous movies of all time, like um, How Green Was My Valley, All About Eve, How the West Was Won, The Greatest Story Ever Told, and Airport. Um, so alone, he won nine, no nine Oscars. But... What is really cool to me about him is he composed something that we have all heard hundreds of times, and you you don't actually think about there was a man who composed this. David, do you mind playing it? Oh, yeah. I didn't I didn't know that was going to be my yeah. cue. Here yeah, we go. Sorry. So he was essentially the in-house composer for 20th Century Fox. So he did their actual fanfare at the start of all the 20th Century Fox um, movies. That, that is so cool. iconic. And um, he is also the uncle of Randy Newman, who has contributed 11 uh -huh. or um, I think over 20 Oscar nominations between um, musical score and best original song um, to the to the wow. family's total. So. Um, he did the um, soundtrack for Ragtime, Parenthood, 
Toy Story. Um, he's also oh. famous for kind of his own like individual records. So he um, he wrote Short People, uh, which is I always think is like a, such a funny like random song. I love L.A. Um, so yeah, that's the Newman family. Over ninety Oscar nominations for wow. music and film. Wow, I misunderstood. I didn't know it was nominations. Well, you would have, I would have gone higher. Too. Yeah, yeah, it's true. <laughs> um, but yeah. And is is Thomas Newman part of this family as well? Let me check that for you. Da, 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 da. Yes, he is. Okay. And another his, another film composer. Yeah, David and Thomas are part of the second generation. Okay. Yep. Wow. All right. Yeah. That's cool to know. Who created that? Uh, yeah, I'll remember that every time that there's a 20th Century Fox opening yeah. fanfare. Yep. Cool. <laughs> All right. RJ, what have you got for us today? So I think I have to do the, the standard disclaimer that we don't coordinate our facts beforehand <laughs> because I have I have a historical music Fact. No way! Wow. Wow. I, I knew you were the right one to to tie everything <laughs> together at together. the end. Oh my gosh! <laughs> uh, so um, I mine is also based on a book I'm reading. Um, besides besides hot chai, my most of my social media stuff is um, music industry. I work for for and with some uh, different artists, singers. Cool. So I've been reading this book called. Um, all you need to know about the music industry, which is referred to as the Bible, <laughs> the the uh, the music industry Bible, and it's super interesting. Uh -huh. um, but I was I was reading it, and I came across just one line. It was something like, um, back in the early days of recording, um, artists actually had to perform for each record sold. They couldn't copy what? Uh, records. What? So that Are each, you kidding? So each record would be an individual unique performance. Oh my God. What? So, <laughs> yeah. So, so that was just like a one sort of throwaway line in the book. So I looked it up and I was reading about the history of sound recording. And strangely, I can't really find definitive like I can't find another source that phrases it exactly that way okay. that they had to record individually for each record because it seems like um, a copying of records came pretty early, earlier than I would think, like 1900-ish. Okay. Okay. So yeah, I think it before seems pretty that, essential. <laughs> yeah, before that, um, actually before about 1920, um, recording was all. Um, they call it the like the acoustic era um that it was there was nothing nothing digital basically starting with edison's invention you would speak or play your music into like a um a horn and yeah. it would vibrate this little stylus vibrate a diaphragm which moved a stylus which carved on tinfoil oh, tin um, oh okay so that of course doesn't it's barely audible. They play it back basically by vibrating the needle, I guess, the opposite direction. Okay. Um, that part I'm not 100% sure about. You put your ear up to the horn or something. I remember seeing, mm -hmm. well, we were watching the show about the British, the, about the Queen. And the, I just remember her doing 
um, like some public announcement and they show a scene with her like reading it into a horn that's recording live onto a, an, a it, it must be like a wax record mm, that, or something yeah wax was the next oh, okay sorry okay. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah you're, that's a, a little bit ahead so edison okay. started with the um tin the, the tinfoil and then he got he got distracted by like inventing uh the light bulb so yeah it was actually um alexander graham bell inventor of the telephone and uh charles tainter who i guess worked with him uh, who went on to use wax, a hard wax cylinder, uh, oh. instead of a tinfoil covered drum. Okay. So the, okay. the recorder moved across the cylinder instead of the cylinder rotating. And uh, that, that worked a little bit better. And then another inventor went from the cylinder to a flat disc. And then of course the disc is what what stuck around, you know, eventually uh -huh. to, to vinyl records and CDs. Um, much, yeah, can you imagine later. having to store like a shelf full of cylinders rather than like yeah. flat discs? Yeah. That just wouldn't work. And manufacturing um, would be so expensive, probably. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Much more so and, than, than pressing a vinyl record. Yeah. yeah. And the recording actually looks pretty um, inconvenient as well. There's a picture on this site that I'm on um, that I can post in Discord. Um, but basically, there's this huge horn and the whole band orchestra has to gather around oh it my and gosh. position themselves around the mm. horn. And they all have to play basically as loud as possible because there's no um, there's not a lot of volume modulation and um, it <laughs> It, the the quality is not very good so in order to even right. be heard that's why a lot of music from you know early 1900s into 1920 this, the the brass was really popular and really um heavily used mm. because you can hear trumpets yeah. and oh. things like that very easily on that sort of not great recording yeah that's and there was no mixing right so right so any so also, I, th I think I heard about, I can't remember what podcast I heard about this on, but some, it was something about the early days of, of music recording and how you had to, they would have to position different instruments further or closer to the microphone because uh, <laughs> for that yeah, reason, exactly. because if you had a, like a brass instrument, you had to put them further away because otherwise it would just completely overpower like the violins and mm -hmm. um, the quieter. Yeah you know, the, the instruments that are naturally quieter. So that's so wow. fascinating that like the instruments that people choose to play with are influenced by the recording medium and its limitations. Mm -hmm. That's that's really interesting to imagine that like maybe brass wouldn't have been so popular if it wasn't for the um, the limitations of the recording devices. <laughs> that's a weird thing to consider. Yeah, I, I'm still, there was like two other things that I thought were super interesting, sort of more the fun fact, you know, one condensed uh, item. One that the each studio would essentially build its own recording device. You couldn't just buy one off the shelf. Oh. So they were, often, they were often covered with a um, like curtains or a sheet, um, partially to dampen the sound of the recorder and partially um, because it's like a trade secret 
how they built ah. their particular one. Oh. <laughs> the, the other one that I, just skimming through, I just read this. Um, pianists were instructed to play fortissimo throughout, loud as possible. Okay. Singers had to move toward the horn for quieter passages and away for louder no notes to avoid distortion. It says inexperienced soloists were guided back and forth by an assistant <laughs> on a trolley. <laughs> a trolley. Yeah, I'm imagining I'm imagining them standing on like a little dolly and, and being wheeled back and forth. <laughs> Me too, yeah. <laughs> Apparently that's basically what happened. Okay. Oh my gosh. Oh, <laughs> so that's... any uh, musicians who are listening to this be thankful for and I guess even for us, <laughs> we yeah. should yeah. be thankful for our current uh, recording equipment because it's yeah. much simpler. Um, yeah, that would, that yeah. Would, it would basically this would be impossible. There's oh, no yeah. way you could be shout, oh, yeah. shouting shouting <laughs> <laughs> uh, into a tube to, to not even, a recording not even uh, That's not even getting to the point that we're in three different yes. states right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> wow, that is really fascinating. And then, uh, yeah, so we got to move on to wax, and then, uh, then the digital, I guess the digital age. Well, then we went to, yeah, magnetic medium, I guess, and the cassette well, tape, which well, you is- you skip vinyl, but- Yeah, Did you all ever use cassette tapes? Yes. Yes. Yes? I'm really yes, shocked David. to hear this. I'm not that young. <laughs> okay. I'm really shocked. Um, I Did you ever have to deal with the, like, um, the recorders that they got the tape all twisted up in it and then you you like pull out the, the tape and and all the magnetic tape would just be in strings hanging everywhere and you have to like try to untangle it all and get it back in no no because i didn't record <laughs> much this was on but playback I had a walkman i had a walkman that played cassette tapes as a kid and and it know, never ate your tapes no, that happened all I the time. Take care of them. <laughs> well, you could take we care of them all you want. Set tapes in the car, and yeah. Once in a while, it would just eat them. Like the something would go wrong, and the tape would start to wind around the mechanism inside the recorder and just like destroy everything. Huh. But it was it would be playing the whole time, so you had no idea this was going on until the inside of the tape recorder filled up with so much tape that it finally started oh, no. just to distort. <laughs> and then you'd be like, what's going on? And by then you, you pull it out and just a complete disaster. But oh, I have no memory of that happening. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, yeah, that used to happen. Um, when I first, huh. Well, let's I, hear about eight tracks. <laughs> well, yeah, no, yeah. that was my grandfather. My <laughs> grandfather had eight tracks. Okay. And, but I thought they were actually really good tech. They were a lot nicer than the little cassette tapes. Um, but, but gigantic, yeah. But um, okay, I'll, I'll just mention that when I, this is really gonna date me, but okay. when I first started using computers, if you wanted to save something, um, disk drives were really expensive at the time. So we had cassette tapes and we'd actually save files on cassette tape, which was a real pain because then you have to remember, you'd be writing down the number where you saved it, <laughs> then trying to fast forward to that point and read it. It was it was a nightmare. Anyway. Wait, you could read, a computer can read 
a cassette tape? Yeah. I mean, was this like before floppy disks? What? Is uh, it was around there? the same time, but it was uh, cassette okay. tapes were a lot cheaper. So like a, a floppy disk drive huh. was was like super expensive at the time. Okay. And yeah, and cassette tapes were first for, for home users. I see. Um, okay. Yeah. So you uh, you had just a regular cassette tape, although we tried to get like better quality ones because it, it was very problematic. Like you would try to save it a few times on different tapes just to, if it was important, just to be sure, because half the time oh. it wouldn't read back in. <laughs> it was so frustrating, <laughs> but it was better than punch <laughs> cards. I never had to use those. So anyway, yeah. Good old days. Well, that was I. Well, I then I learned that I learned that new today that you could that cassette tapes were used with computers. I didn't know that. Yeah, I had no idea. I thought it went from punch cards to floppy disks, and then no punch cards to <laughs> to cassette tapes, just regular <laughs> old ones. And yeah, you you know how maybe you don't know this, but there used to be like a manual counter. It wasn't it wasn't like a digital counter. Um, you have to rewind the tape reset the counter to zero, and then mechanically, the counter would count up as you played the tape. So if you wanted to go to a file that you saved somewhere in the middle of the tape, you have to rewind the tape, reset the counter, and then fast forward to about the point, about the counter position that you had started to save at, and then press the play button, and then Ugh. tell the computer, start reading before it go, yeah, it, it was insane. That terrible. It was terrible. <laughs> it was really terrible. <laughs> Floppy disks were so nice after that, but then they were so they were also a lot more fragile, so they had their okay. own problems. And then the floppy disk got hard mm -hmm. cases, <laughs> and that was better. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. okay. 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 I'll I'll stop going down memory lane there. That did bring back a lot of. <laughs> of traumatic experiences though with <laughs> the same and read stuff on cassette tapes oh my gosh thank goodness that's over okay. all right well that is it for us today we will see you again next uh next saturday same time same place if you're watching live if you're watching live yeah. <laughs> i've joined us for the stream not the yeah. podcast yeah Okay. I really need to work on the outro. Yeah, you do. All right, take care, everyone. Bye. 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 Ooh, perfect. Back to go with Alton and Peyton.